Dusky goes through it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. We have a host of topics for you this week, and with me, as always, is the Diogo Jota to scoring at Anfield, Lewis. We're back, guys, after that international break, although we did give you a little bit to think about during the internationals. But we're going to be talking today about Borussia Dortmund versus Hertha Berlin and all the youngsters that broke records during that match, as well as talk about where are Schalke going this season. And so far, it looks to be nowhere good. Then we'll move over to the Premier League, where it is a Mourinho tactical masterclass in the top match of the weekend between Tottenham Hotspur and Manchester City. And then we'll also have, of course, a nice little round of what really grinds our gears. And Billy's going to get something off his chest about refereeing. And I'm going to have a dig at Joachim Löw. And without further ado, let's get straight into it. So, you know, Hertha Berlin didn't really... Well, they haven't, they haven't had a nice run of things when it goes against... Or when they've gone against the top strikers in the Bundesliga because Lewandowski's put four past them and now Haaland's put four past them. It was ridiculous. I mean, that first half, it looked a little bit like, okay, there could be an upset. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. Like, Dortmund just didn't look on it. And it was like, okay, I I can't work out why. I can't work out what's going on. And whether Haaland just went, look, I can do this. I'm the the golden boy, recently recently announced 2020 golden boy. But that first four or five minutes, an absolute machine. I'm running out of words and ways to describe how good he is. Uh, there was a little thing on Twitter where, um, where Hedda Berlin's Twitter account uh, picked up on Haaland's post and Haaland had posts, you know, had a good night's sleep, woke up today, scored four goals. It was a great day. You know, as Haaland doesn't mince his words, he just gets to the point and Hertha Berlin's Twitter just went, machine sleep. And I think that pretty much sums it up. I mean, you know, I hate, and we both hate, every, everyone saying, oh, he's the next Ronaldo, he's the next Messi. What I will say is he's the next player of their caliber. And I know that's a huge shout, but he's 20. 20. He's got 22 games in the Bundesliga, and he scored 30, 23 goals in, that, in those 22 games. He's got more Bundesliga goals than games. Just, I'm at a loss. And, I mean, this is in, a, this is in the same year where, you know, we've, we've been gushing over Robert Lewandowski. And I mean, I think that just puts it all into, into perspective because Haaland is almost matching Lewandowski. I mean, granted, before this match, he had had six goals in seven games. 
which still a very, very decent tally if you think about it. And Lewandowski had his stupid sum of 11 goals in seven games. And then Haaland just goes and, you know, gets himself right into the running of the golden boot again. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, I remember he came on and burst onto the, onto the mainstream because everyone on Twitter was when he scored a hat-trick of hat-tricks at the yeah. under-19 World Cup or something for Norway. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, Jesus. It's one of those things you just expect it to peter out because I'll give you some previous winners of the Golden Boy Award. So in 2012, Isco. Didn't go too badly. Not done too badly, but he sort of not reached that high potential. potential. Yeah, yeah. Renato Sanchez in 2016. Oh, God, don't get me started. He's doing all right for Lille. Yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying. He's doing all right for Lille, and he came in, you know, with such hype and such expectation to Bayern when they bought him. Uh, for 35 mil. Yeah, I, you look at some of the people that have won it. So, obviously, Messi's won it. Rooney's won it. But people like Anderson from Ooh. United, he won it in 2008. And he used to be pretty... I mean... Very average. Pro- I, I know, you, but you'll, you'll say that he definitely had, did some bits, but in on the whole, he was average. On the whole, Correct he was average. I think Raheem Sterling won it in 2014. I think... He's lived yeah, up to the hype. He's good, but he's not. Like it's almost like a prediction for future Ballon d'Or winners, and Raheem Sterling's not quite there yet. Martial won it the year he signed for us, mm. and it's been a bit hit and miss. But then you look from 2017 onwards. So Kylian Mbappe in 2017, yeah. definitely, definitely. Uh, Matisse de Ligt in 2018. Mm. I'd say yeah. To be captain he's, of Ajax at that age, and yeah, I mean, he definitely deserved it at the time. He won it. If he's really going for that status of center back, where you'll, you know, Maldini level, hmm, we'll have to wait and see. It's not quite there yet. Uh, last year's was Yao Felix, and I've been openly critical of Yao Felix. To be fair, this season he's done bits. That's what I mean. Like this year, he's starting to show why he was worth that much and obviously Erling Haaland but I think the quality of young players is becoming more and more well it's just increasing they're getting better and better being younger and younger and I mean if you're going a certain 16 year old burst onto the scene made his debut against Hertha Berlin I mean I'm pretty sure most people were actually watching the Berlin match just to watch him make his debut. I mean, the whole thing was that, you know, he's literally just waiting for his 16th birthday so that he can finally join the pros because this kid has a record and hold on to your hats and maybe sit down for a little bit. 88 games in the under 17 and under 19 Bundesligas scored 141 goals. And he is, I mean, he just turned 16 three days ago, which means he was doing this one to two age levels above what he was. And he was making these leagues look like they were, you know, amateur level. 
It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but you got to remember, like, that's not professional level. I don't want to, like, rain on the parade already. Like, he's only just turned 16. And I'm sure... I'm going to butcher this. Yusuf Mukoko? No, I'm very good. Thank you very much. I'm sure he'll be a really good player. And I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of years he won the Golden Boy. Imagine he wins it next year. <laughs> but there's, there's something going on at Dortmund. And as much as we both have already said, is, you know, we've questioned whether Lucien Favre is the man. But there's a, a, a blend going on now. So you've got Erling Haaland up front. You've got Jaden Sancho, still relatively young. You've got Makoko. You've got Jude Bellingham, Gio Reyna. There's, it's almost shaping up to be a golden generation for them, isn't it? That's what I mean. Give it a couple years. You know, Marco Royce won't be there much longer. Mats Hummels won't be there much longer. Okay, but here's the, here's the main thing. You say, for give it a couple of years, Dortmund are notorious for selling the minute their good players reach a certain level in the game. And the big question now will be, one, if they hold on to Favre and he really, you know, I think they should definitely just let his contract run out and not offer him a new one and see who else they can get because I don't think he's a man to win titles. And secondly, they need to keep that team together because Haaland's dad, who's also his manager, has openly said, you know, going abroad is not something that we're thinking about right now because, you know, he's, he's definitely got a lot of growing still to do. And he, you know, Dortmund is a perfect environment for him to flourish and thrive. And that's not something we're thinking about. And so I think, especially with the way Haaland's form and his, and his, uh, his development is progressing. Many players would have already been like, I will see where we can get him. And many managers would have already put out the statement, you know, we'll, we'll see where he, where he ends up next summer. The fact that they're already openly saying, you know, we don't want to leave just yet, and we actually have no intention of leaving, you know, who knows what will happen in the future, but right now we have no intention of leaving. I think that's something the Dortmund bosses should definitely capitalize on and say, we're going to, we're going to hope that Haaland, you know, sees out his full contract till 2024. It'll be interesting because he's got that release clause that comes into play after next summer. So like 60 million, isn't 60 it? million euros, which is a, it, that's a stupid price for someone of his quality, but you can offer him a new contract before that and say, look, we're going to raise it or completely disregard it and say, no, we don't want anyone to take you. Pull a Jaden Sancho. Well, that's the thing. That wasn't mon- That wasn't no, that was okay. You pay what we want. And, but I think this could be, this could be a no. We don't want Period. you to take our players. We don't want you to take Jude Bellingham. We don't want you yeah. to take Gio no. Reyna. We don't want you to take uh, Mukoko. I mean, if they've got genuine ambitions, let Favre go and get Pochettino. That's a big shout. That's a big shout. If you've Oof. got ambitions, if you don't want to sell your players, if you've got ambitions of being Germany's number one team, 
you've, there's got to be a mentality change. There's got to be, a, okay, well, Usman Dembele will have a ridiculous season. We'll sell him to Barcelona. You know, yeah, Mar- Mario Goetze had a ridiculous season. Off he goes to Bayern. Yeah. Losing Lewandowski on a free, for Christ's sake. To be fair, Lewandowski, they kept hold of for a good amount of time. I mean, he was on their top level for about four years, and he, made, he managed to stay on for a good amount of time before, you know, leaving on a free. But I think with Lewandowski, there'll be less – I think there's less of that element of, you know, letting them go because at that point, Lewandowski realized, you know, Dortmund, as much as I love playing for the club and I've, had, I've been relatively successful here, the next step for me is definitely, you know – Bayern and that's why I think it wasn't so much Dortmund not you know just wanting to get rid of their best players or get rid of is the wrong word but you know sell on their best players it was more of the fact that Dortmund really thought they had a chance to get him a new contract and that he would stay there and that you know it was just not the wish of the player I think that maybe it will come into play again if Dortmund don't win anything, because this is the best team they've had since they won the league last in what, 2014? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And if they don't win anything, even if it's a German, you know, they've won a German cup, but that's not, you know, if they don't win the Bundesliga in the next two seasons, maybe, Mm -hmm. then maybe some of those players are going to go, okay. Time to go. Time to go. I think they'll still they'll keep people like Akanji. They'll keep Roman Berkey because they're good. They're not exceptional. Yeah, yeah. Julian Brandt. They'll keep. He's someone who's also definitely not lived up to his potential. I'm not gonna lie. It's a. I think Dortmund should have. I mean, he should be doing better than what he is. It's difficult when you get played out of position, but. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult because in a couple of years, you know, Real Madrid could come in for Haaland, United could go back in, Bayern could go in for him. I was about to say that 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 provides me with a beautiful segue into my next thought, which was I was discussing this with one of my friends who was coincidentally a Dortmund fan. I mean, he was he was obviously loving it after you know seeing Pardon put away four goals yesterday, and he said. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I could very much see Haaland seeing out his contract till 2024 and then going to Bayern or, you know, he, he, doesn't, he gets a new contract and Bayern put a good amount of money on the table for him and he goes the same way that Lewandowski does. Because, I mean, if we're being honest, you know, Lewandowski, as much as he is getting better like a fine wine, you know, getting better with age, um, and he is, without a shadow of a doubt right now, still the world's best number nine, there will come a time at some point where Lewandowski is just too old to satisfy the needs of Bayern. I mean, I'm not hoping that that's anytime soon, but you know, at some point that time will come. And I think if you're going to go for anyone to support the type of play that Bayern go for, which is, you know, very wing heavy, get the crosses into a big man and target man in the box, who is also still versatile enough to go in with the rest of the team in an attack as well, you know, build up play. Haaland's probably choice number one. It's going to be a weird one because there's obviously going to be some massive, not bidding war, but like everyone's going to be flirting with him again like they were in January. Oh, yeah. And 
I think this time round, because he's a more established player, there won't be the need for release clauses. Yeah, definitely. I think which is which is if you believe what people say, which is the main reason United didn't press ahead with it. Yeah. Was the fact that we don't want a sixty million euro release clause in his contract because we can just get bent over and take him up and down the garden path. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you know he could want to stay. You know, Dortmund could well want him to stay there for the duration of his contract and be happy to see him move on. Yeah. With that release clause, there's nothing stopping United, City, even Bayern or Real Madrid going. Okay, well, there's that sixty. <laughs> Thanks. We'll have one of the best up and coming number nines in. In world football, yeah, I think Dortmund right now are very much uh, already looking, or they're definitely going to have reminders in their phones to sort out a new contract with Haaland early enough to make you know that release clause obsolete. Because as you've just said, anyone who comes in with that sixty, I think you'd be stupid not to put down sixty million for a player of his caliber. Genuinely, wouldn't be surprised if. And it's a big if, if United keeps Solskjaer. Because it's a player he's worked with before. It's a player he clearly wanted quite badly. Going back in for him again. Because Cavani isn't a long-term solution. Cavani's a, a short fix until he gets who he wants. Yeah. I mean, it's no secret that Haaland definitely has the physicality to make any Premier League defender, you know, look like a wimp. Oh, definitely. I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I would have I would love to see what Haaland does or would do against Van Dijk. I mean, clash of the titans right there. Just in terms of physicality, I think I think probably doing for pace, wouldn't he? Because he's deceptively oh. quick. Deceptively, he's he is like a Usain Bolt. You know, he just, he's you know a big guy, but he moves that mass and that height so quickly, it's unbelievable. I mean, he's faster than Lewandowski. I mean, you look at his, his uh, hat-trick goal yesterday. Yeah. Just comp- I can't remember who the defender was, but he just utterly ruined him for pace. Yeah, it is scary. He just bulldozed past him because he's physical and he's quick. He just blitzed past him, left him with no hope at all. Yeah, yeah. But speaking of things that are scary, Schalke 04. This has to be some of the saddest and at the same time scariest progressions of a once great football club that I have ever seen. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, you just have to think five years ago, they were in the quarterfinals of the Champions League playing Real Madrid. Just five years ago. That's nothing. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's slowly becoming a Leeds United situation. A, you know, a once decent, good team. Ruined by the people at the top. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I like Schalke. I like, you know, I've liked some of their players over the, over the years. I was obsessed with Klaasian Huntelaar. And I mean, their, their youth academy has brought out a number of high-ranking and very, very good players over the last few years. I mean, just going to count off the top of my head, Leroy Sané, Leon Goretzka, Manuel Neuer, 
should I go on? <laughs> well, you know, there's clearly the resources there. They're just horrendously mismanaged. Unbelievable, yeah. And I really would be surprised if the coach lasted beyond Christmas. And that's a big shout because this is already their second coach of the season. That's what I mean. But it's... I got... Go back to a to a, a Clough book, a Brian Clough book, and where he talks about his time at Derby, and it's like what the chairman at Derby said to him at the time. It's the one person that they can all do without is the manager. It's the first person to go. And I think the big thing at Schalke is not the manager, it's just the players. It's the players and the management at the top of the club. Because... If we're being honest, that squad, the way it's put together, is just so mismatched and not Bundesliga-worthy that it's not even funny. The players individually probably all have the skill level and the mentality for the Bundesliga, there's no doubt, uh, except, except, a, except a few. But the way they are put together, there's no cohesion, that's not a team that is on that pitch. Everyone is thinking more about themselves than they are about the rest of the team and the preoccupied with themselves. I mean, the first half hour versus Wolfsburg was just, it was just so bad. I, just, I I'm running out of words. I don't want to, you know, criticize a professional manager. And this, this might not have been the formation, but I'm looking at the, at the uh, proposed formation against Wolfsburg. A 3-1-4-2 is not the formation you play when you can't win. There's clearly problems at the back. So putting one holding midfielder in front of that back three is clearly not the way to go. Yeah, I mean, I'm th- obviously 3-1-4-2 becomes a 5-1-2-2, so to speak, in you know, going backwards. And yeah, but they clearly can't do that right. Well, yeah, no, they don't, that's... I'm, by no means saying that they can't do that because I, it was apparent, you know, in the second goal, it was just everyone was all over the place. But you, it's weird, you know, Harrit could quite easily play for a mid-level Bundesliga team. Uth or Ut could quite comfortably play there. I'd, I'd even give Ut the, you know, the... Or I'd 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 even trust him to play for maybe a Europa League team. I'm not I'm not even gonna lie. Ozan Kabak, there's talk of him going to Liverpool. I think there was talk of him going to Liverpool. That talk is definitely not gonna be there anymore. Not the uh, way this season's going. I don't know. He's not playing at the moment. I don't know whether that's through injury or just not being good enough, but Liverpool. He was just on the him, bench. They could this get him on the cheap much. though, you'd think. I mean Definitely, for, uh, on the cheap for Liverpool, it's still going to be any any dime that Schalke can make right now is going to be greatly appreciated because they're one of the few clubs who have actually already gone to the state for help financially because of the pandemic. The results on the pitch are not ha- are not helping their financial situation whatsoever. No, people aren't going to. You know, you look at potential investors and things like that. They're not going to want to invest in a team that let's be honest next year will be in the second division yeah um some interesting statistics off of sky sports germany on that note 
the calculated probability that Schalke are going to get relegated already is 57%. So we're already, already at a 57% mark. And I mean, that's, this is that's after eight quite, matches. That's quite generous. I know we're not even at Christmas yet, but... Well, put it this way. Out of the last 72, and yes, you heard that right, 72 possible points, they have managed to score nine. See, that's relegation for. 24 matches without a win, by the way. Just, just relegate them now. I mean, you imagine they go... They, they make it to 34 games. They don't win for another 10 games. They go all the way to 34 games. That would literally be them not winning for a whole Bundesliga season. Imagine they don't win for the whole season. Imagine they, exactly. Imagine they don't win for the whole of this actual season and it you know, becomes more than 34 winless games. It becomes you know, 50-something odd winless games. It's not difficult or quite... It's not far-fetched to believe. Though that's it really point. isn't. That's sad, and that's the sad part. Although, I will say, you know, they're picking up draws. They've got three draws in the last five games, which is where their points have come from. But you've got FC Cologne, they're on the same points, but they've got 13 better goal win. difference. <laughs> 14 better goal difference, actually. 14 better goal You've got um, Armenia. If we're being honest, no one really expects Bielefeld to stay up. It's more of like a one-season deal. It's kind of like a, yeah, okay, you can have your big time, but back down you go. And Mainz are on four as well, and Mainz won. <laughs> they managed to finally win. And I mean, everyone was saying Mateta managed to go and get himself some Haaland juice or some, ooh, that sounds really bad. Ooh, that no. sounds vaguely sexual. Exactly. We're not going to... He managed... Let's just put it this way. He was on Haaland form. <laughs> Jesus That's Christ. That's more than <laughs> Can you imagine that on Sky Sports? <laughs> <laughs> we're leaving that in. Oh, we're just... We're going to... I do apologize for that... Uh, for that very, very unfortunate word choice. Ooh, Jesus Christ. But, you know, moving swiftly on from that, Oh, yeah. <laughs> Please. Yeah, Mainz, uh, not Mainz, Schalke. Uh, let's have a look at their fixtures quickly. It's not good. It's not looking good, I can tell you that much. Okay, they've got Gladbach, Leverkusen in their <sighs> next two games. But I, I don't know. That's another two games where you're going to expect Schalke to go home with zero points and most likely at the end of those two games, minus six more goal difference okay well they've got Gladbach Schalke Augsburg and Freiburg in the next four but the game after that they're home against Bielefeld that's a must win for them and the that problem is, is that a relegation six pointer to coin a phrase yeah yeah and I mean we already had that when Schalke played Mainz a couple of weeks ago and that finished in a 2-2 draw and I mean that was Schalke barely scraping a 2-2 draw because they went down 1-0 and 2-1 respectively. It didn't really help when you completely dismantled that team opening weekend, though, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, it didn't help to start with a minus eight goal difference after just one match. Well, here we go. 8-0, 3-1, 4-0, Oh, no, they won 5-1 against Paderborn. What was that in? I'm sorry, that... Was that what? 
Oh, that was your friendly. Ignore me. I was about to say, that was that a, was that a was club a friendly. friendly. Oh, you have me. You have me so confused. Sorry, I'm checking their last matches on Google, and that really threw me. It's like, hang on. What? They won. To be fair, they they won in the cup. You know, given right. it was a fourth, it was a fourth division team, but you know they won. <laughs> I mean, hey, wins are wins. I was about to say, so you can't really say they haven't won in. As I mean, you still have to say they haven't won in twenty four Bundesliga matches. Their last win literally came in the Bundesliga in February. It was just it, of this year, which was a two nil win over Gladbach at the time. Like that's how that's how far they've gone in the last nine months. It's goodbye, isn't it? It really is. I think that's a perfect way to uh, end the segment on the Bundesliga and move to the Premier League. We need to get, we need to get off this depressing topic. <laughs> Let's move swiftly on from Schalke being utterly humiliated. And let's go on to another humiliation. Tactical yeah. masterclass. Come oh, on. So happy. I mean, it, everyone is always hyping up the fact that, you know, Mourinho versus Guardiola back in the Premier League. And then, you know, he got Mourinho left or got sacked uh, um, when he was at Man United. And then everyone's like, ah, okay, well, that was short lived. But you said that, I think, you, quote, you had the best way to describe it. Mourinho has got his mojo back with Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think it's difficult to, to see. I think he's not got the team that he would want because I, I don't believe anyone lives in a world where they'd want Eric Dyer at centre-half. <laughs> but, you know, he's got Harry Kane, top assists in the Premier League, completely changed his game this season because he's playing with a strike partner. In, oh, I'm going to get some hate for this, but in arguably the most complete forward in the Premier League at the moment, King Min Son. I mean, to be fair, it's not a bad shout because Hyun Min Son has been he's been doing an unreal job. And I mean, if any for anyone who watched uh, the Amazon Prime documentary All or Nothing Tottenham Hotspur, you you already saw that last season specifically. Hymingson was a, an elemental part of that of that Tottenham Tottenham Hotspur team, and now he's just he's just upping the level. He ju- he just keeps going and going. I, he's reached another level to his game, and for England, it's great. For everyone else, it's a bit oh, great. I don't really want to come up against Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's different when you take one of them out. Yeah, I mean, everyone was expecting that this season, you know, it'd be the it'd be the front three of Harry Kane, Gareth Bale, and Hyman Son. You know, Gareth Bale, Hyman Son feeding Harry Kane, and Harry Kane just bagging one goal after the other. But it's interesting that Mourinho has has now opted to, you know, more. I mean, Gareth Bale obviously he still needs time, and you know, he came to Tottenham with an injury, and you can't expect him to be going from zero to one hundred real quick. So. I think Mourinho is just compensated for the fact that Gareth Bale is, still needs time beautifully. I don't think. I think this is it's a one-year loan deal for Gareth Bale. He won't move permanently back to Spurs. Or if he does, really? it'll be on a free. You don't think he'll back permanently? 
I don't think Spurs will pay for him, no. I think if he does move back permanently, it'll be on a free. I mean, to be fair, Real Madrid probably just want to get rid of him at this point, so they might as well. Exactly. You just cancelled his contract, wouldn't you? Yeah. But I maybe you could well, you definitely take out Steven Berg from that starting eleven against City. If you had a full fit and firing Gareth Bell, you'd take out Steven Berg like. And that even though he's, you know, a relatively effective winger. Yeah, but a full fit and firing Gareth Bale is another level above Steven Bergwijn. Yeah, you're very, I mean, very true. You know, full fit and firing Gareth Bale is, you know, the Gareth Bale that earned himself a 101 million euro move to Real Madrid back in 2013. Exactly. And we'll talk more about Spurs in a sec. I just want to, uh, because I love doing it, I just want to criticize Man City. Oh. If you'll, yeah. if you'll let me indulge myself. I think I think we can be we can we can let you do that. Okay, I I have a stat for you, Lewis. Oh, yeah. I, you know me. I love the stats. Stat stat man. Stat man. I'm a stat man. Since 2016, mm-hmm. Pep Guardiola has spent half a billion euros on his defense, and it's shite. With the exception of I'm Eric Laporte. I mean, Carl Walker is clapped. He's passed it. He's got uh, Alexander Zinchenko and Benjamin Mendy. Can I just interject here real quick? I have never understood why City have even bothered with Zinchenko. I, it's just because he's a homegrown player. I mean, uh, and they've got very few homegrown players as it is, and they just need to fill a quota. It's the same reason they had Richard Wright, and the same reason they got Scott Carson on loan. Ah, okay. that's you know he's he's got. Wait, some... but Zinchenko is Ukrainian. Yeah, but he come through the City Youth Academy, so it counts as a. Ah, okay. So he is basically English. he he is he is basically English. Pretty much. Oh, no, he didn't. He joined City in 2016. Ignore me. I thought he came uh, from the youth team. Okay. He played for So then Uf- what the hell... Okay, FC quick... Ufa. Okay, then what the hell is he doing? Maybe... Well, it's the same as Phil Jones still at United. Just, he's that bad. No one wants to buy him. I, yeah, I mean, I'm, it baffles me. I, I didn't understand why he played for City four years ago. I don't understand it now. He just is not up to that level. Yeah, and you know, Carl Walker was great when he first signed for City and at the end of his Spurs career, he's not at it now. I yeah, don't know what's yeah. going on with the left-back position because Yao Cancelo played there yesterday and he's a right-back last time I checked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not I, wrong. I don't know. If, if I was a City fan, I'd be, I'd be fuming. To watch Eric really Dyer would, keep you? a clean sheet. Also, I mean, it seems to be Pep Guardiola's kryptonite, but parking the bus, it doesn't matter if Pep Guardiola played with Bar- or was managing Barcelona, whether he was man- managing Bayern Munich or whether he was managing Manchester City. Anytime a team parked the bus, it seemed like Pep Guardiola could not find a chink in the armor. I mean, 
he just came up the master. He came up, he came up against the master of parking the bus in Jose Mourinho. The man who penned the book on how to park the bus. Exactly. It doesn't help when Kevin De Bruyne has a horrendous off day. Yeah, I mean, to think that this guy, you know, I get that he had an unreal season last season, but this season, I'm sorry, he's just not been anywhere near the form that he was last season. He's missing penalties. He's... I'm sorry. I know it's a weird season, but if you're going to look at 2020 on the whole, also, you know, looking at, you know, the best awards, which are coming up, I don't see anyone making an argument why he should be in the Ballon d'Or top three because he just hasn't kept up the consistency. It's as if the minute the 2020, 2021 season started, he just dropped off, which is, it's actually sad because his season, I mean, the season before, and he was, Unbelievable. He definitely deserved to be the best player in the Premier League. Yeah, and he's one of those players, though. He'll do something ridiculously spectacular. And then it's all forgotten and forgiven. I don't think... Uh, I I don't know. I can't talk because I'm not a City fan. But... I don't know. It's a weird one. Something's not right, but he's just signed that new two-year deal, Pep Guardiola. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that the the reason being is that he's got the longer leash at, when it comes to the management as well at Manchester City because Guillaume Balaguer, um, who also wrote the biography of Pep Guardiola, uh, stated very recently, you know, the reason why he left Bayern Munich is because he literally had to explain his tactics and the reasoning for his player choice and the whole nine yards basically every week and give like a weekly report to Bayern's bosses and management, which in my opinion is way over the top. Like, you know, if you're going to trust your manager, trust that he's going to do his job. And if the results are coming in, especially the way results work, pouring in while Pep Guardiola was at Bayern, there's no need for that. And, you know, that was the reason why Pep Guardiola was was like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to sign another contract. I can't be, I can't be asked to, you know, give a weekly report. That's just not me. And, you know, fully understandable. I think, is it a case that Bayern, I don't want to, you know, slag Bayern's board off any more than you did last week, but... (laughs) Is it not a case that they just get involved more? Yeah, they get involved more, but it's it's not needed in that in that instance and to that extent. You know, I'm I definitely would say that on the whole, when you look at Bayern's track record and you know what the board have done, there is definitely a bigger list of pros and there is cons. But the cons in recent times. You know, I mean, the Pep Guardiola thing, okay, you can you can overlook that because it's not like Bayern had the worst time of it management-wise in the last few years. You know, if, you know, obviously, if, I'm sorry, if Niko Kovac is your worst manager and he wins you two Bundesliga trophies and a German Cup, that's a pretty, you know, high bar that's being set if that's the worst. Um, so I think that's something where the board 
you know, you can still let that one slide, but, you know, obviously the recent criticism that I've made towards the Binance board, that's slowly upping the cons list. I think it's a similar situation to United when Fergie left. Obviously, you've handled it a lot better. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, I, I think, you can, but I you, think had, you can go that far. <laughs> you had your pints for so long, and he did... He did things his way. He did things a certain way. I mean, you and say we had Hankers for so long. We only had him two years. Was it only two years? Yeah. Because you have like, to remember, we had Fan Hal. Oh, what a man. From 20, 2009 to 2011. Because yeah, Bayern, yeah. Were manage, in a man, Bayern were in a manager's rut, you know, the early 2000s. To cap it off we lost 4-0 to Barcelona in the quarterfinals of the Champions League under Jürgen Klinsmann. What a great game. And that's when Bayern, yeah, exactly. So that's when it kind of all started. But, you know, we've strayed again towards our, you know, our usual, our usual punching bags. I think it's time to go for what really, really grinds our gears. And Billy, I know you've been dying to get something off your chest the whole time. Yeah, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I'm just sick to death of how shit and how bad the officiating and the referees are in the Premier League. I've said it before, like the best league in the world with the worst officials. And last night, the United-West Brom game just proved it to me again. So, the referee was David Coote, who famously was on VAR for the Merseyside derby. <laughs> it's already just that's already just asking for the for the shit show to start. Yep, and he was supposed to be VAR assistant for tonight's Liverpool v Leicester game but he was taken off of it and given our game. And he didn't do very well on that one either. So early in the the first half was uneventful. Nothing really much, you know, nothing to do in that one. Yeah. West Brom come out the the blocks ridiculous in in the start of the second half. Conor Gallagher gets fouled by, you know, Bruno can say he got the ball all he wants. It's a foul. It's a penalty all day of the week. He kicks his shin. Yeah. He makes contact with his shin before he touches the ball. It's a penalty. VAR had a good long look at it. And then said to David, do you want to uh, go and have a look at that one? David boy, the old mate. <laughs> Literally, two looks at it. No, no, that's not. couldn't possibly be a penalty. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, what? I don't want us to concede a penalty, but when it's a penalty, I will admit it's a penalty. And it's like straight down the other end, handball. Now, handball is handball, and handball is confusing. I was about to say, we've definitely had a long, long chat about how dumb the new handball rule is. Or not dumb, but, you know, just way too hard to, you know, officiate using this rule. And, you know, the ball's crossed in and Darnell Furlong, he's got his hands 
across his chest and he goes to turn and it hits his hand. And again, VAR had another, another good look. And it's like, oh, okay, this is, he's, he's just going to give this, isn't he? Because, and it's like, yeah, sure as shit, he has one look. Yeah, that's a penalty. Okay. Under the handball rule, it's a handball, it's a penalty. But then it's just, oh, it's just the inconsistency. I can't believe how he gave one penalty, he didn't give another. I can't understand. It's like Sunday League refing. Like, we've got one. He's, he's, he's called Monty. And he refs from inside the center circle because he's that old. He can't run. <laughs> it is like watching that. I've seen better decisions. It's like, it's almost the case as, oh, who? One of them, he gave a yellow card to, it was to Conor Gallagher for accumulation of fouls, right? Yeah. I think he made like three. Fred had made about seven. And get booked. There was one he gave a foul. He wasn't even looking. It's just a case of who yells the loudest gets the free. And it's not the first time we've seen it. Like, I'm just sick to death. Like, something there needs to be some sort of inquest because the standard of refereeing in the Premier League is utter, utter dog shit. And it's it comes as a breath of fresh air when I, when United play in Europe. Because a referee from from uh, Kazakhstan is better than what you've got running around in England. Literally, I, w- when we're lucky enough to have that German doctor for the referee. Oh, uh, Dr. Felix Brüch. Yeah, when we're lucky to have him, it's, it's amazing. So it's just what competent <laughs> officials is like. Funnily enough, Dr. Felix Brüch was the one who let the phantom goal of Stefan Kiesling five years ago count okay well maybe not all the time <laughs> you know the one where the ball goes to the side netting jesus but <laughs> it, I, it goes the ball goes through the hole inside it's ridiculous and people were like oh well it back in 2018 oh there's no english referees at the world cup yeah there's a reason for that it's because they're crap it's like I david mean, david coot wasn't you know he couldn't referee when he had replays in the var van <laughs> No, he's not good enough to watch a screen. What does that say about his ability to actually referee? What that says about, about the standard of refereeing in the Premier League is I could referee. My nan could be a Premier League referee. We'll get a Monty from Sunday League. He could be a Premier League referee. I mean, we just have to look back at uh, the World Cup 2010 and Howard Webb missing an obvious red card when Nigel De Jong Kung Fu kicks Shabby Alonso in the chest. I don't know what you mean. He had only had eyes for the ball. <laughs> Graham Paul said that that was an obvious red card. And that was the English referee who in the World Cup 2006 gave Simich three yellows in, the ga- in a game before sending him off. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can't. It's, 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 it's not it's it's almost not funny because you know you just see the standard of english referees it, it, you know the crap doesn't isn't just now it's it's dating back to you know the last 20 years you know i i don't want to keep going on about it and hopefully something will change i don't think it will though so before i pass out from blind rage let's talk scratch and sniff Yogi Love, I love that. 
it's kind of hard for me to know where to begin. First of all, I'm going to say that the only reason we're discussing this, because it technically is a national team issue, is because it concerns club players who have definitely shown for their clubs that they are good enough to be selected for the German national team, but Löw continues to ignore them. How you can justify, after getting your ass kicked 6-0, without putting up even the remotest instance or the remote, the most remote evidence of like 1% of fight and then still not nominate Jerome Boateng, Matt Hummels, who have both done unreal jobs for Bayern and Dortmund respectively. Boateng even won the freaking treble. He won five titles and was starting for most of those games. And also not nominate Thomas Müller, who is back in the form of his freaking life. I will not know. The German national team has gone downhill for basically ever since winning the World Cup. It's just been a downhill slide. It was a very slow downhill slide from 2016 to 2018. And then 2018, it's just been, you know, the steepest downhill I've ever seen from watching the German national team. And Löw still doesn't nominate these players. It is baffling to me. Baffling. I think it's a. I'm, I'm going to come out in somewhat of a defense of him. What? Yeah, what? Just, just hear me out, man. Okay, I'm, so I'm, I'm he, definitely. He said that they wouldn't be selected anymore, correct? Yeah, they, they were basically told. They were more or less fired from the national team, which after the 2018 performance, you know, I get, you know, not nominating them for a couple of rounds of, you know, Nations League or whatever, but completely closing the door? Yeah, but it's a double-edged sword for Yogi Lowe because if he brings them back, he is flip-flopping and he's weak and he's gone back on what he said. If he doesn't bring them back, it's why are you not playing Boateng or Muller? Why are you not playing these players in the form of their life? But you got to think, okay, you think how good Jamie Vardy's been. He said, I, I don't want to be picked for the national team anymore. You know, if, if it's desperate, pick me. But if not, I'd rather have younger players come through. That's fine. And he's, but he's in the form of his life. So it's not a case of, okay, you... Leave the national team, know when to leave, and you add a couple more years at the top to your club career. But here's a here's the thing: knowing when to leave. First of all, Löw, my honest opinion, should have left on a high and left after winning the World Cup. Would have let Germany regroup, and it's just you know that would have been the perfect time to say you know I'm done. That's it. So he's missed the perfect time to, you know, step away. When we pick the national team, it's a, I can understand, you know, using Jamie Vardy as an example, but here's a big thing. Jamie Vardy didn't, Jamie Vardy himself chose to leave the England national team. Jerome Boateng, Matt Hummels and Thomas Müller were basically told, I'm just going to not going to nominate you anymore. And it was the most unworthy firing of a national, of three players who had, a massive hand in winning Germany a World Cup. I mean, just the way they were already told, nah, 
without, you know, giving, you know, at least a match to, you know, send off, send them off. That is already your whole topic just in and of itself. But when I watch the German national team, I don't want to want to watch because Lewis reasoning was, I want to give the younger players a chance. Here's the thing. When I watch the German national team, I don't want to watch Germany's best youth players. I can watch the under 21s for that crap. I want to see the best players that Germany has to offer. And Hummels, Boateng, and Müller are the are three are in their positions the best Germany has to offer. You're not going to tell me Antonio Rüdiger should be playing instead of Jerome Boateng, are you? Oh God, no. Exactly. But I, I get football is cutthroat, and it's almost as if Love has gone no, okay. You know, it was a shit World Cup. In he just looks like he just looks like an idiot now. Well, it's just a case of you know you need to react, you need to look like you're reacting, and sacking old people is normally the way it's done. Before we finish, I just want your honest opinion. If Germany sack Love after the Euros, do you think he could do a job at club level? Personally, I don't think so. I just think he's in that sense he's too old for that. And also, he's, you know, he's, he's the longest-serving national team manager in history. And he's been there for 14 years as head coach. So you think it's once he's done with the national that's team, that's it? Yeah. Because, you know, he's, he's had that job for ages. And, you know, he's most likely going to leave in disgrace. Because the way Germany look right now, they're prob- we're probably just going to get kicked out in the group stages of the Euros as well. I was going to say, I don't think you'll get out of your group. I'm, I'm definitely not expecting us to get out of the group because the way France are looking, just the amount of depth they have already, they have us beat. And Portugal, they always have Cristiano Ronaldo. So, and, you know, the Germany team that are playing Portugal this year or this, this Euros is not the same team that decked Portugal six years ago 4-0 in the group stages of the World Cup. So, I mean... We're definitely going to go to the Euros with Yogi Löw on the bench. There's no doubt about that, you know, for bad or for, for good or for bad. But if he, after that, gets sacked, I think he's, that's him out of the coaching. Well, there we go. That's a hot take to finish on for this week. Oh, yeah. Beautifully done. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, retweet. Do your thing on social media. We will always be posting weekly. And of course, this week we'll have another round of the European edition of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast because Champions League is back. So keep your eyes peeled for that on Thursday. But that's all from us this week, guys. Thanks for listening. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.